No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where King Ahab in the northern kingdom of Israel persuades Jehoshaphat in the south to join him in a war against the Syrians. But first, Jehoshaphat wants to inquire of the Lord. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Chronicles chapter 18 on Simply the Bible. We continue today in 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Now Jehoshaphat was a good king, walking in the steps of his forefather David. He brought about many spiritual reforms in Judah, including tearing down the high places where the people practiced pagan worship. But we will see that Jehoshaphat compromised in three ways in his life. First, he compromised by allowing his son, Jehoram, to marry Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab, and Jezebel. This joined him by marriage to the wicked house of Ahab in Samaria. And this would have profound repercussions to him and his descendants. In the future, this unholy marriage would almost destroy the line of David. So why did Jehoshaphat allow this? Did he see it as an opportunity for a political alliance with the northern kingdom of Israel? Did he have trouble saying no to his son? We don't know his reasons, but this opened the door for an unholy alliance with Ahab for which Jehoshaphat would later be rebuked by God's prophet. We must all be on our guard against unholy alliances. Satan's strategy is, if you can't beat him, join him. We don't always consider that a small compromise now will mean a big problem later. Verse 2. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. Jehoshaphat went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Now that is interesting because Samaria was north of Judah. But Jehoshaphat was going down into the snake pit with Ahab. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, Ahab immediately made many animal sacrifices. This was a deceptive overture to worshiping the Lord, no doubt for Jehoshaphat's benefit, because Ahab knew that Jehoshaphat was a sincere worshiper of the Lord. Ahab, on the other hand, had no such devotion. Through the influence of his wife Jezebel, he had worshipped Baal and no doubt also worshipped the golden calves set up by Jeroboam. Ahab persuaded Jehoshaphat to go with him to battle in Ramoth-Gilead. Now, this city was in the heights of Gilead on the east side of the Jordan. It was a city that had belonged to Israel originally, but had been taken by Syria. And now Ahab wanted to get it back. Verse 4, 
Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Jehoshaphat obviously felt uneasy about this arrangement, rightly so. He wanted to inquire of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they all said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. Now, that should have been a sign to Jehoshaphat something is wrong when Ahab, who has not been a worshiper of the Lord, he actually had 400 prophets of Baal that Elijah earlier had killed. Now, we don't know what kind of prophets these were. They could have been prophets of Baal, it's not said, or they could have been prophets of the golden calves. But they were all agreeing, saying, go ahead. Basically, they were yes men. And typically, when God would send a prophet, it would only be one person that would have the word of the Lord that would speak for the Lord. So this was a sign to Jehoshaphat, something is not right here. So Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. Now here's yet another sign for Jehoshaphat because Ahab despised the prophet of the Lord. Hey, listen, anybody who despises God's servant, that ought to be a big sign to us to stay away. Verse 9, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Now, try to picture this scene. You've got Ahab on his throne, clothed in his robes. You've got Jehoshaphat on his throne, clothed in his robes. And then all of these prophets, 400 prophets, all just prophesying before the two of them, saying, you're going to win, you know. Uh, Go up, you will prosper. God will deliver the Syrians into your hand. And then one guy, in a very dramatic way, Zedekiah, he puts horns of iron on his head and starts goring people, (laughs) figuratively, uh, and says, with these horns, you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. I mean, what a scene. But here's the problem. God usually is not in the majority. Usually the majority does not have the truth. It's usually say, one person that God raises up with the truth or the minority, the remnant that speaks the truth. So beware, when all the crowd is telling you one thing, they're probably wrong. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. 
So we don't know what the motives of this messenger were, but he probably just saw what was going on and just said, look, do yourself a favor, Micaiah. Just go along with the crowd here. Don't harm yourself. And here, Micaiah, you know, had to deal with the pressure of the crowd. Imagine being one voice with 400 voices against you. And now this messenger, who may have been trying to help Micaiah, uh, was even giving counsel that was bad counsel. We need to be careful. Even friends can give us bad counsel, such as uh, when Jesus said that he was going to go to Jerusalem and would be crucified, and Peter said, hey, stop talking that way, Jesus. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus understood that that was not God's counsel. And we need to be careful of those friends who may be well-meaning, but have the wrong words. Micaiah answered correctly, though. He said, look, I'm going to say whatever God tells me to say. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, for they shall be delivered into your hand. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Now, I have a feeling that when Micaiah said this, it was in a very sarcastic tone because Ahab immediately said, look, you need to tell me the truth. But it's funny that he said, how many times must I swear to you to tell me nothing but the truth? Because he probably never said that. He probably was only saying it now for Jehoshaphat's benefit to make it look like he cared about the truth, which, of course, Ahab didn't. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So two visions Micaiah shares here with Ahab. First, he sees all of the men of Israel as sheep without a shepherd. That indicated that Ahab would die in battle. And secondly, he gives a vision of the Lord's throne with these spirits around it and a lying spirit saying, look, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's prophets and lure him into this battle. And the Lord says, go because you will succeed. Now that creates a bit of a problem. Why would God send forth a lying spirit? And yet we see from the book of Job that Satan does have access to the throne room of God and God even uses uh, Satan to accomplish certain things. God is sovereign over Satan. Satan can't do anything except that he gets God's approval. And so it very well could be that this was one of Satan's minions, a fallen angel. 
who God used to be a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's lying prophets. But here, God even tells Ahab what he's doing. So if Ahab had been a person of the truth, he would have listened to the prophet of God and would not have gone into battle, realizing that, okay, he's speaking the truth here. I better uh, listen to what he's saying. But he didn't care, and he would go into the battle. Why? Because God ultimately had declared disaster against him. God knew the hardness of Ahab's heart and knew that this lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets would succeed in ultimately destroying Ahab. Then Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on the day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So Ahab's hard heart in not listening to the prophet of the Lord should have been a major sign to Jehoshaphat. And then Ahab imprisoned the prophet of the Lord. Uh, but the prophet said, look, if you ever come back, then I am not truly a prophet of the Lord because you will surely die. And we will see tomorrow the outcome of this ill-fated war. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please email us at daryl at calvarytv.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L at calvarytv.org. Tomorrow, we'll see where Jehoshaphat and Ahab battle the Syrians. Jehoshaphat nearly dies in the process and is rebuked for helping the wicked. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Chronicles on Simply the Bible.